0: usa wins gold and we recap the medal games we'll talk about czechia versus finland usa versus sweden which draft eligibles performed and a lot more on today's show of locked on nhl prospects
1: you are locked on nhl prospects part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, back again after a long fight with COVID, which still isn't done, uh, but we'll get through it. And uh, my co-hosts here, Sebastian High, are more than happy to... Welcome you to the dra- to the recap of the medal games of the World Junior Championship. We'll talk first about Czechia versus Finland. Um, we'll also talk about USA versus Sweden, of course, as USA won the gold medal in that game. Um, in our second segment, we'll talk about the draft eligibles that performed. We'll talk about Macklin Celebrini, Ziv Bouium, Jesse Polkinen, and a lot, lot more. Um, and we'll end things off by building our teams of the tournament. So we've each uh, drafted a team of the tournament, and we'll introduce that talk about what differences we have we have completely different teams each so that tells you that there's a lot of players who performed really well in this tournament but before we get into any of that today's episode is brought to you by game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nhl for 20 dollars off your first purchase if you're watching on youtube make sure to like and subscribe leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform make sure to make us your first listen of the day so let's get things started here um I think we can start with the bronze medal game because for me, it was the most um, tantalizing of the two. I mean, that was from start to finish was just a ride, right?
1: Oh, it was such a fun game. I I had a blast watching that one. It was just such a, a pure back and forth and a comeback for the ages. I don't think I've watched a crazier final three minutes of a hockey game in any scouting work in the last like three years. Like It was wild.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it started off with Finland, I think, going up 2-0. Yeah,
1: very early on, yeah.
0: Czechia came back in that one. Um, Finland immediately uh, regained their two-goal lead and then added another to be winning 5-2. And then Czechia just decided they were going to score goals. Um, They scored four goals in a row um, at 5-on-5 um i think or maybe one of them was, was in uh what was on the power play but regardless they scored four goals in a row to make it 6-5 for them and added two empty netters uh to win the game uh 8 to 5 i i from start to finish i was just like what is happening here like ev- everything was happening at the same time um but yeah i mean the difference maker for me was that checky's best players were their best players and some of their fringe uh, performers guys who didn't really get the limelight too much in previous games, especially if we look back to their first game against Slovakia, those players stepped up as well. Um, I thought Tomas Galvis, who wasn't even in the initial roster um, and got called up only because uh, Adam Jerichek was injured on defense, he had a fantastic game, uh, was really, really reliable on the breakout, was jump starting plays regard- continuously. And um, yeah, overall had a fantastic game, but It's the big guns for them. Uh, It was Yuri Kulik and Merrick Alshur were the two main kind of big players from that game. And yeah, both of them worked their butts off and, and made this possible for Czechia, right?
1: Oh, for sure. And as you mentioned, you had other peripheral players in that lineup really come to play. I thought that Andre Becker and Dominic Ramon had fantastic performances here as well. And they've been really good throughout the tournament, but they saved their best games, respectively, for the final game. And I don't think I've seen I can't remember seeing a world junior team winning the bronze medal being as fulfilled and excited to to be on the podium as this Czech team, because it was not only a comeback in this game, but in the tournament as a whole. I mean, they started off the first game of the entire tournament losing to their arch rivals six to two. Yeah. And now they fight their way back tooth and nail to get onto the podium. Overall, it's a really fun story.
0: 100%. And uh, I feel a bit vindicated here because remember that conversation we had before the tournament about, so, about Czechia versus Slovakia? Who's better? Who's going to perform better at this tournament? You mean, you mean the one where I took like, a victory lap after after they won the 6-2 Slovakia game? game? Yeah, I'm talking about that one. Uh, <laughs> a yeah. Maybe. yeah, A tiny bit early because uh, yeah. my team won bronze and yours lost yeah. in the quarterfinals, but anyway. Um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, this was a fantastic game. And for me, uh, I mean, like you said, there were some key players, like I said, there were some key players that, you know, were the big guys that were supposed to be the big guys for Czechia that played well, but also their peripheral players, the players who, you know, headed into this with a point to prove, po- proved their point, essentially, and that, that was really key for Czechia, but, you know, this is no knock on Finland's game, they were fantastic from start to finish as well, they just took their foot off the gas for a second, and you can't do that in in, in World Juniors, you just can't. Um, yes, it pulled had an amazing game. Uh, I thought constant Helenius was really, really good. And we'll talk about that later on, but he's a player who throughout the whole tournament did not really put up that many points, but was one of the, one of Finland's best players overall in terms of his ability to drive play, to create chances. Like he was really, really good. Um, but yeah, moving on to, uh, to USA versus Sweden, uh, the gold medal game, USA won that game six, two, and it was close for a certain amount of time like maybe a period and a half throughout the game, it it was more or less kind of a close game. Um, Sweden's defense was keeping them in there. Sweden's structure was hard to break. But USA started doing all the right things to break structures, which is play with pace, drive the metal at all costs, um, create chaos, put pucks on net, crash the net. Like everything you need to do as a team that's skilled against a team that's structured, they were doing. The game plan was clear. And yeah, they they... they, they you know, kind of took this game by the horns about halfway through and ended up winning the game 6-2, winning the gold medal. Um, and yeah, some top performers are there. Isaac Howard kept his best performance for his last game, oh, yeah. even money this whole tournament. Like that was that was a spotlight, right? And outside of that, I mean, just the depth of skill in this roster was just so obvious, right?
1: it was the most skilled roster on paper coming into the tournament and we talked about that quite extensively before it all kicked off but yeah it, it the lineup really came to play in this gold in this gold medal game and you saw production come from top to bottom i thought as you mentioned ike howard had a fantastic game and i thought that he was really key to the american game plan in terms of using their speed on the wings to try to get behind the swedish defense because that Swedish defensive core is just so dominant with play yeah. in front of them. They are very, very good at defending the rush when they're able to get body positioning. But Isaac Howard was making it a consistent effort on every single shift to blow by the defenders on uh, along the boards and then cut inside afterwards to really try to stretch the ice. Yeah. And uh, that worked out really nicely on that first goal, especially of his. And as you said, I think that the, the states adapted really well with their game plan mid game, just as they did in the semifinals. Like I think, in terms of like mid game adaptations from a, from a coaching standpoint, no team uh, could quite rival the US in this tournament.
0: Absolutely, and you compare that with how Canada tried to adapt when they were struggling, um, <laughs> yeah. night and day. I mean, Canada yeah. it felt it felt more like just throwing everything on the board and seeing what sticks, like just yeah. mashing up your lines. Uh, But still sticking to the same kind of rudimentary, uh, rudimentary, like fundamental elements, right? Um, In terms of structure, in terms of, you know, the type of game that they play, in terms of what they do on the ice, like pretty much the same. But they were just like mashing up their lines. Whereas USA, they kept lines that work together. That Nazar, Brindley, Howard line stayed together all tournament. The Perot, Smith, Leonard line stayed together all tournament. And I think that was key—is building that chemistry because it's it's already so difficult to build chemistry in a, like a seven-game tournament, but you know when you're able to do it, it makes such a major difference. And yeah, I, I felt yeah. I felt like that was an important thing. And you look at like pretty, basically the only line that worked for Canada, it was the Beck Danielson Alard line, which basically stayed together all tournament. You know, so it's like yeah, consistency
1: is important. Yeah, absolutely. Like- it, it really is, and I mean, like, with that, with the States especially, the only, like, real shift in terms of the forward lines that you saw was dropping Jimmy Snuggaroo to the fourth and bringing Oliver Moore up instead, yeah. which, I mean, when you have Oliver Moore sitting as your 13th forward and you have the option of bringing him in for a more of a two-way influence and more of a playmaking style on that top line, yeah, you can do it. It's great, and, and that worked so nicely in those last couple games of the tournament. I thought that... Moore was just an excellent fit there with Cutter Goetze on that top line. It was really mm-hmm. providing a ton of defensive support. Who's often dropping into the center role as a, a, in the defensive zone, freeing up Cutter Goetze to kind of cheat a little bit more offensively, which yeah. helped him really unlock some levels of offensive play in the later like elimination games of the tournament that weren't really there. Uh, Earlier on, even though the production was still quite good because the states were scoring a bunch of goals, but he was far more impactful once he had a defensive player on his line. So, I oh, 100%. I, 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 I like the model of, of keeping lines consistent while also making some rather deliberate adaptations in terms of freeing up your start players to play with more freedom and skill, which is what they, they do best.
0: Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that wraps things up for our first segment. We'll get into our second where we talk about some draft eligibles who performed well at this tournament. And we'll just kind of overview all of them really, uh, really quickly and just kind of give them a grade uh, and, and talk about their performances. We'll get into that right after these messages from our sponsors over at game time. If you're looking to buy cheap tickets uh, at last minute for any event, GameTime has you covered. GameTime is the best place to buy uh, some tickets last minute. I I know very well because I use them all the time. Whenever I've got a free afternoon out of nowhere, which can happen fairly often with my schedule, um, and I want to get buy some tickets the same day for an event and, and get there as soon as possible and, and cash in those tickets, GameTime is really, really good for that. Uh, they've got tickets up until the last minute of events and even sometimes an hour after they start. Um, They've got a bunch of deals to help you save money as well. So with Zone Deals, you pick the section and GameTime picks the seats. And that gives you an average of about 18% of savings. And the GameTime guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what GameTime has to offer you, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Now with the GameTime app, create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, really simple. Just create an account, redeem the code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk about some draft eligibles who performed well at this tournament. Kind of, you know, overview most of them, or basically all of them that were were of note um, at this tournament, and kind of talk about the performances. and We can obviously start with Macklin Celebrini. Uh, Celebrini was, for me, the best player on Team Canada. Period. Um, I don't think there was anyone who. Uh, competed with his ability to impact the score sheet night in and night out um, and his, his ability to just drive play consistently. He's a player who's terrifying to play against, right? Just he attacks, he attacks downhill time and time again. He drives the middle time and time again. He is so overwhelming as a player. And yeah, th- this worked really well at this tournament, right?
1: It really did. He was really showing off his high end level of pace and creativity. And more than anything in my mind, decisiveness with the puck, He is incredibly yep. efficient, incredibly decisive. He doesn't waste a single move movement in doing what he wants to do. He has a very clear goal in mind whenever he has the puck on his stick and is, he has all the tools in the world to try to create openings, which he then can really, really quickly and ferociously go attack. So yeah. I thought he was tremendous in this tournament by far Canada's most creative and dynamic player. And, I think, as you said, he's quite, quite easily their best player as well. I thought Denton Mataychuk would be the other player that I'd throw into that, that discussion. I thought that Matejuk was one of the better defensemen in this tournament. But yeah. Mac and Celebrini is uh, continuing a very solid case to be made for a slam dunk pick at number one overall in 2024.
0: Absolutely, and uh, yeah, we can move on to um, Ziv Buyam, who was fantastic for USA. He, get, he gets a grade of five. By the way, Celebrini gets a four and a half. Uh, mainly just because that little point, that ha- little half point he's missing is mainly just not being able to step it up even further and 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 drag Canada to, to a medal game. But it is what and, it is, and against the better teams in the tournament, like I think like yeah. seven
1: of his points came against like Latvia, Latvia and Germany. Yeah, so like, yeah.
0: <laughs> It's it's hard, but yeah, Ziv Williams was just amazing in every game. He scored the the insurance marker um, in the uh, game against Sweden, and overall was just unsolvable. I think like just defensively, you could really see that the only reason Williams' defensive performances aren't up to par in Denver is just because he's choosing to focus on offense. Because when he chooses to focus on defense, he's just so difficult to to, to get around. He's so mobile, but doesn't use it kind of absentmindedly. He just he thinks his he, he problem solves his way um into good positions. And yeah, just overall I was so impressed with him. He gets a grade of five, because honestly, there's an argument for him being at least a top two best defenseman in that roster as an as an 18-year-old at this tournament, which is ridiculous. Um but also we wanna want to talk about Jesse Polkunen uh for Finland, who was for me their best player, and I don't think yeah. it was even close. Um he gets a grade of five, was just an absolute monster in, in every situation, offensively, defensively, off the puck, with the puck, you name it. He was just, I mean, I was looking at at um, Mitch Brown and uh, Lassie Allen and um, Lassie Allen's uh, track data for elite prospects um, on their Patreon, and there wasn't a single category in which he was under 90. Like, he was just <laughs> he, he yeah. impacted every facet of the game, like, at, at an elite level at this tournament, and yeah, just, he's getting drafted in the top 50 for sure in the 2024 NHL draft, which is weird after getting passed over like an entire, like no one was talking about yesterday. And yet last year in his draft year, and now he's just, he's a top player player. It's absurd. I mean, I mean,
1: According to our, our, our Finnish scout over at Dauber, Annie Karvanen, uh <laughs> didn't wasn't taking hockey all that super seriously last year or something that he like apparently like enjoyed doing, but wasn't like perhaps like this it framed internally as like this career that he's going to give us all to pursue. Yeah. And that like over the summer he kind of just made the decision to give it a bigger shot and uh, this is him trying and uh, oh, wow. he's good. Okay,
0: yep. <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> Moving on to Casa Hellenius 4.0. Um, he was really, really good, it's just the points don't reflect that. Yeah. Um overall he was just a player who was all over the place doing really really good things offensively defensively he started off as the first line center um ended up as the second line center for Finland but still i mean his performances throughout the tournament were fantastic and you know if you just watch the score sheet he's dropping down your rankings if you watch the actual games he's moving up your rankings like he was really really good at this tournament um but the lack of points keeps him at 4.0 a quick word on Emil Hemming uh, who was also in this Finnish uh roster um if if you you know, you might have forgotten given his performances, but yeah, he was unnoticeable. So we we give him a two. Um yes. not not its best games ever, and yeah, he just did not really impact the game in in, in a really reliable way. Um for Norway though, we've got two players. Ooh. Um we started off with one with which which was Michael new Newgard. I gave him a four mainly because I saw I saw a drastic difference in his effort level between his Al- Alsvenskan games and his Norway games, and I know that they played four games in five days. And all that. But with, you know, with elimination, you know, on the brink of elimination um, and and relegation from this division of World Juniors, I thought Michael Bransick Newgard would give it a bigger shot. And he certainly, you know, stepped up offensively. But in terms of his overall impact on the game, I was not really um, too impressed. And I think that's something that scouts have brought up. You know, talking with people in the industry. Scouts have brought up the lack of effort and the lack of drive in Michael brunzak Newgar's game at this tournament. And I think that that might actually drop him down instead of keeping him up some rosters. Um But yeah, we'll see how that goes. Stian Solberg, which was a player who I didn't really have on my radar heading into this. For me, it was the best defenseman on Norway. And I'd say the best defenseman among the uh, among the lesser countries. Him and Rodwin Dionicio, I think, are the only two from you know outside of the top five i'd say that were really really impressive right
1: for sure i mean i think like dnicho blew uh blew silver out of the water with his performances i thought that dnicho was one of like the four or five best defensemen in the tournament bar none uh but solberg especially for a draft eligible who wasn't exactly on many radars coming into this tournament really really impressive performances playing with uh with like a giddy viciousness, he really enjoys to inflict pain upon his opponents. He's really painful to play against. He's not fun to play against. And he uh, thrives in that type of environment where he can be that annoying to play against. So that was kind of enjoyable for me to watch throughout the tournament because you saw teams like as the games progressed against Norway by like the third period when a team was getting accustomed to Solberg, you always saw them going off the other side of the defensive. Always yeah, he was, you, you can't times. get around them. It was just not it's working It's just not at all. fun. And like, if like you're going to get hit, like maybe you can get a you can get a, a play done, like with just enough time to pa- get a pass through, but you're going to get hit no matter what. And on top of that, I thought that he was playing some really controlled hockey as well. Like he was really reliable also as a puck carrier for norway really solid distributor from the back end wasn't trying to do too too much on his own up until maybe the last game of the tournament like by the time when he was playing his fourth game in five days and he logged like 24 to 27 minutes in every single one of them he looked really tired He, he, he he had nothing left in the tank by the end but he had some excellent performances here for norway
0: Absolutely. And I think overall, I mean, th- there's a there's a difference between Solberg with the puck and without the puck in a sense that Solberg with the puck tends to make some mistakes. And I think that that's going to be a, a consistent kind of thing as we continue tra- kind of tracking his games. Um, but yeah, moving forward, uh, we've got three defensemen left in this breakdown of the draft eligibles of this tournament. Thomas Galvis, uh, who was called up in relief for Adam Juracek, who was severely injured within the first game. I mean, he's out, he's out for the rest of the season, probably a uh, some sort of crucial ligament tear, um, which is always, always very difficult. But yeah, Thomas Galvis, another draft-eligible defenseman for Czechia, was called up in his his stead and played extremely well, I thought. Um, Breakout ability, top-notch. There was a specific assist he got on Yuri Kulich's goal. um, That was just like... He just end pushed end. his way end-to-end uh, into the offensive zone. And, and the confidence to do that as a draft-eligible defenseman who wasn't on the initial roster is amazing. Um, but another player who reminds me a lot of Thomas Galvis, I think that they play very similar styles, uh, would be Switzerland's Daniel Ustinkov. Um, Ustinkov is really, really impressive in this as well. He's, he's another really mobile defenseman who likes to push the pace, um, who's comfortable defending the rush, um, can improve his end-zone in, game. Um, but yeah. Galvish got a 4.0, Ustinkov got a 3.5. And to end things off, a player I thought I would I would really be impressed with at this tournament, but ended up kind of being underwhelming would be Leon Mugli. Um Mugli, I've been talking to people who follow the Swiss National League who um you know scout overseas, especially are really good at scouting defensemen, and they were talking him up, telling me that you know this this player is gonna push himself into the top 50 by the end of the year, yada 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 this tournament did not really give me much promise and you know i have caught a couple of league games and haven't really seen much in that end as well so it's just yeah. Yeah, we give him a 2.0 for this tournament, um, but I'm hoping his return to Switzerland gives a bit more hope and a bit more reason to these kind of discussions I've been having with scouts overseas. Uh, But yeah, that wraps things up for our draft-eligible players uh, from this tournament and how they performed. We'll end things off with our teams of the tournament, talking through uh, the players that we think performed the best. Uh, We'll choose three forwards, two defensemen, and a goaltender to build a team of the tournament after these messages from our sponsors over at Fando.
1: The NFL season is wrapping up, and but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many ways to bet, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. Whether you want to bet on your favorite uh, team to win the Super Bowl this year or your favorite quarterback to throw for a couple of touchdowns in the next game, the choice is yours. While I myself am not the biggest sports better, when I go to a live game, it can kind of heighten the tension a bit, making it all the more exciting and is just a fun tool for sports fans to get even closer to the action. So visit fanduel.com slash lockdown and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
0: Alrighty, so ending, ending things off with our teams of the tournament. Uh, spoiler, we have completely different teams of the tournament. Not a single one of our players matches up, and that gives you a good idea of how good this uh, this group of players was overall, and how many different players performed at the top of their games at this tournament. Uh, we'll start things off with our forward cores. Um, I went with Carter Gauthier on left wing, Noah Oestlin at center, Yuri Kulich at right wing. And... I know Kardagoeche played most of the tournament at center. I just have to choose a forward on the left side. I don't really like any of the left wingers available. Uh, so with Kardagoeche on the left side, um, but you went with two different um, two different USA players than Kardagoeche. Do you want to talk about that?
1: For sure. First of all, I find it funny that neither of us chose the MVP of the tournament in either of our lineups here, even though Jonathan Lukerimaki did have a very very good tournament. It wasn't quite enough to to crack either of ours, but he definitely is an HM for us. Uh, yeah. So I went with uh, Gabe Perrault and Frank Nazar as my two USA forwards, and finishing off that trio with Philip Meshar. Uh, I thought that those three players were were three players that not only were among the best players at the tournament bar none, but were also some of the biggest. Like not surprises but perhaps exceeded expectations the most uh yeah both both like overall and also my my own personal ones like Gabe Perot was just so consistent for the states he was always in the right place wherever they needed him to be consistent goal scoring threat not because he has a very good shot but because he's always in dangerous areas and the playmaking ability is just always so so impressive as well as the handling and I think that his game is really starting to come into its own and definitely helped that he was still uh, on the same line that he was so comfortable on last year with that NTP line. Uh, And then Frank Nazar for his part had a really tough season last year being like out with injury almost the entire year this year hasn't been the quickest of starts for him, but at this tournament, he was perhaps the most impactful forward all around the ice. in terms of 200 foot forwards at this tournament, I can't name you one that was more impactful than Frank Nazar. He was um, like, he was the biggest uh, penalty kill uh, piece for the States among the forward core uh, was one of their best playmakers and wasn't even really getting involved much on the power play or as a goal scorer, but he didn't need to in terms of, in, in order to have a huge impact. So his version, versatility and his ability to just bring value in whatever role he was put in in this tournament definitely has him as one of the standouts in my eyes and then philip meshar Dynamic as anything in this tournament, creating everything that Slovakia had to offer. A great, great one-two punch with Servet Petrovsky uh, on that line where Petrovsky was kind of freeing up Meshar to play as that like high-octane offensive player because he had some more defensive support and also freeing him up to be a raw playmaker rather than a goal scorer, which I think also goes to Meshar's strengths. So this will be my, my three forwards here.
0: For sure, um, I wonder if Goche instead of those two Americans, maybe just because Goche really stepped it up in that the last couple of games, but Nizar was was such a great pick here because yeah, he was, he was overwhelming in every game, um, <clears throat> the playmaking force on this stacked USA roster. I mean, for me, he was the best playmaker on and being the best player on this roster is is a feat in and of itself but yeah oh. overall Noah Usland is in there just because I I can't name you a player who's just more dynamic and impactful on every shift than usland was usland was the main reason likerimaki was able to put up this many goals um that and you know just likerimaki being a fantastic power play scorer but yeah <laughs> overall was more impactful to Sweden's performances than Lakerimaki okay. was um Then for me, Yuri Kulik was just, I was really disappointed in him in the first game, but everything since that first game against Slovakia, fantastic A-plus, great performances. Moving on to the defense, um, I went with Lane Hudson and Axel sandin Pelika as my defense pair. I know that Lane Hudson did not have the best tournament overall, um, but he was playing a different role, and in the role he was playing, he was amazing. Um, He was placed in kind of a defensive situation, he was playing... Almost thirty minutes a night regularly. He played fifty-four minutes in a twenty-four hour span between the, the the semifinals and finals, and yeah, he was just yeah. he was in every situation and was making great plays in every situation. So overall, Hudson takes the cake for me. And then Axel sending Pelica I thought was the best defenseman for Sweden, and overall was just so difficult to play against. And you know, we I know we talked about Axel sending Pelica as you know a right-handed defenseman who's more offensive-leaning. He's got that offensive streak to his game. I thought the defensive side of his game was more impressive in this tournament. He was so, so, so reliable defensively. And, yeah, um, any any defenseman for Sweden could have made this. But for me, Axel Senni-Pellick, yeah. takes a cake. Yeah, there's
1: so many players on the defensive uh, core for Sweden. We could have just put, like, the Sweden d as, like, our yeah. defensive starts of the tournament, and that would be would have been just fine. Uh-huh. Uh, but I-, I went with uh, Jesse Polkinen because uh, he was – insanely good in this tournament i mean yeah. the the tools are really impressive the way that he's able to use his reach to cover ice defensively but also protect the puck offensively uh he was really really like activating consistently in the offensive zone he was one of the Finland's biggest creative forces, and he was their most like stable and reliable defensive piece as well. So he was just quite clearly Finland's MVP in this tournament in my eyes. So yeah. he deserves a mention. And the other one is Denton Matechuk, a rare Canadian shed out here in the, in the stars of the tournament. Uh, because it was not Canada's best effort. But Matejchuk had a really, really solid uh, tournament. And there's a reason that he hung around training camp for a long time with the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, a couple months ago. So yeah. he's he's one of the most mature and dynamic uh, players they can find in, in the WHL. So that was really, really evident in this tournament. I thought that he was super impactful in all three zones.
0: Absolutely. And we end things off with the with the goaltenders here. Um, it was a toss-up really. I went with Hugo Havilid. You went with Trey Augustine, and honestly, yeah. either either one I would Quite have been enough. fine with. It was really, I mean, it, it was a tight uh decision between those two. Uh, but overall, um, I thought Augustine was excellent in this tournament. Um and I would have liked to see a bit more Jacob Fowler in this tournament for you know biased reasons. But yes. uh, Augustine was just uh, an, an insurmountable And yeah, Hugo Havilid's getting drafted this year. There's no way. There's no way he stays undrafted. Uh, but that wraps things up for today's uh, episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They've got all your news and updates about what's going on around sports on a 24-7 news channel over on YouTube. And make sure to tune in for our next episodes as we kind of wrap things up for our draft coverage. Um, get ready for our rankings uh, that are gonna be coming up at Dauber Prospects soon and talk about those. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian the High, and we hope you tune in next time.